Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Four Corners Podcast on the Pit Podcast Network. Or hey, welcome the first time, if it's your first time being here. We're happy you could join us. My name is Shad. I'm joined tonight by Matt and Brad. And it is July 23rd, 2018. And we're going to be doing a State of Right Now episode. All the stuff that could be happening might be what we like about it and what we don't like about it. But first, I want to say hi to the guys, Brad and Matt. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah? This is Matt. Fuck For Brad. Those who hang. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Titans streaming television show. This I, just, is, uh... I just have to say that um, I might have to leave the podcast early tonight because I'm bleeding profusely from the edge from the Robin and the Edgelords trailer. Ah, so we see that Brad's not doing all that well. Before we get started, though, we got to give a shout out to our main, our main man, not mankind, Matt, who would it be? That would be Epico Cologne. Yes, it would. Uh, Epico, I, <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel the Titans TV show is a, a TV show that Epico is going to, going to be watching on his, uh, no. on his TV television show, but. Epico is an OG Teen Titans fan. Yeah, he the uh, the the cartoon show, the original cartoon show. Yeah, none of this uh, Teen Titans Go stuff. I don't like Teen Titans Go. Never have. I don't either. But they they actually did uh, this like three or four part miniseries that is based. I, the only way I can describe it is like a nineteen seventies psychedelic um, rock opera concept. <laughs> and it, it's it's a ponderous show and it's actually worth watching because it's like so ridiculous you're like what the hell is this you know again and how and how is any like teenage teenager even getting that this is like a throwback to 1970s like the who's tommy or the wall by pink floyd the game i like to play is let's see if teen titans go is on cartoon network right this minute oh it and will be nine times out of ten it will be no matter what time of day unless it's adult swim time then it's Family ah. Guy. So, or Bob's Burger. Bob's Burger is under is underrated. It is. I I'm I'm probably more of a Family Guy, Rick and Morty guy. What I like about Bob's Burgers is, um, even if the episode itself isn't funny, the family is interesting enough to carry the episode without the humor. H. John Benjamin has a way of putting inflection in his voice that makes even the most dreary lines sound funny to me. I uh, I can't explain how. I then really, again, I, oh, sorry. I was terrifically amused by H. John Benjamin putting out a jazz album co- called So I Should Have Learned to Play Piano. You know, he's been in some of my favorite animated stuff like of all time. Like He was in Dr. Katz way back in the day. Um, oh, well, that's really going back. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. He was Dr. Cat's son. Yep. Um, oh, I forgot about that. It wasn't my favorite show, but he was definitely the best character as Coach McGurk on um, Home Movies. And obviously Archer. Yeah. And he did, um, he was Moth Monster Man in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about that. But so, say, uh, Tina being a raging pervert is my favorite part of Bob's Burgers. 
Okay, so, Primo, Epico, you guys are great and stuff. And it's time for us to talk about wrestling right now. We're in this spot where we're just after Extreme Rules, and tonight on Raw, I believe the announcement was made for a women's pay-per-view and probably women's tag titles. I know there's been uh, news of that floating around. So, gosh, there's just so much out there. Where do we start from? What do you guys think? I like that they're doing a women's-only pay-per-view after they've gone out of their way to kill any interest in the division outside of um, Ronda Rousey the last three months. Yeah, uh, well, what's the pay-per-view going to be? Is it just going to be... Various people jobbing to Alexa Bliss. Yes. Over for for three hours. Well, no, they're Probably. gonna give her breaks by having all the good workers job to Carmella. And you can see, folks, that we're off to the races. Um, I would suspect they're also gonna have a tournament for the tag titles. They've also been, and I've got to put it this way, they've got to be teasing. Uh, a Becky Lynch push, but not actually doing it. It seems like they've got, like they've got the carrot on the string, holding it out in front of people. No, see, this is this is what they do. They get you all excited, and then they disappoint you. That's how they treat the Becky Lynch uh, push. See, the thing that gets me is if you want a heel to have heat, people being disappointed that they win is not what you want. You want them mad that they win. You know, a while, but when Carmelo won the briefcase, there were some people that were so pissed that basically James Ellworth won the match for her. And to me, that was a hilariously meta way of getting heat, right? Like, people are livid about this. The fact that, you know, it's the first women's Money in the Bank match and a man had to win it for somebody. It's just nuclear heat. I don't even know if they even thought about it that way. But, you know, now... It's not even so much like, oh, yeah, I hate Carmella. It's just, oh, are we doing this again? No, just I think, sapping all the heat I think out of that, it. I think that that blow up over the money in the bank last year was people being on different pages because I think um, I think the, the, the writers saw it as just the manager helping their client cheat, but that's not mm-hmm. how it came across to the public at large. Right. But speaking of... Speaking of controversial things, uh, we should probably address the um, red and yellow elephant in the room right now. Uh, that's true. That's a good way of putting it, too. That's, uh, that is a big story. Yeah. So my, my first reaction to this was kind of maybe they should have not taken him out of the Hall of Fame and they wouldn't kind of be in this situation. I mean, they probably would be, but... It was kind of always my... Hang on. I'm going to back us up for just a second, because if we've got some listeners who aren't sure what we're talking about, I want to go ahead and fill them in. At Extreme Rules, um, WWE flew Hulk Hogan in to basically issue an apology uh, backstage to everybody after... Oh, man. After... Three or four years, yeah, a, a um, screw-up, whatever phrase we want to say, that um, Hogan, to be honest, as a public figure, ought not have done, right? And so 
there is, you know, he was removed from the Hall of Fame. Then he was brought back. Do we want to give even more context there? Go for it. Well, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think this was something that came out um, as part of the whole like Gawker Hulk Hogan lawsuit, right? Yeah, I think they, oh, I think they released I this as kind that. of a fuck you because he was suing them because they um they were breaking the revenge rule, the re- revenge porn laws that Gawker was a big part of um trying to establish. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know what it was tied to. I've never actually watched the tape because I really don't need to see someone going on some, you know, racist tirade. Uh, there's a transcript, basically, of what he said. Um, he's talking to someone. I don't know who he's talking to, but this was filmed, I think, several years ago. But at the time, his uh, daughter, Brooke, was gestating an African-American gentleman. And Hogan had a lot of things to say about his uh, displeasure at the choice that his daughter was making. And he used... Uh, Some colorful <laughs> language. Yeah, he that's used, kind of very putting it mildly. I mean, he used the words that you can never actually use. Like, you, you can't right. even say the word. He pretty Unless, much you know, like you're a, making a rap song. He pretty much pulled like a Donald Sterling times 20. Yeah. And so they kicked him out of the Hall of Fame. Well, they fired him, too. Yeah, because he had a legend steal, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so they they brought him in, and he addressed the locker room, and then he uh, they reinstated him in the Hall of Fame. So there's there's context for you. Um, so please well, continue. Well, to to add a little more, um, it was was it a situation where I think like the Girls Club of America had they the Boys and Girls Club? I think they they. Um, put him in their Hall of Fame. And that was that's what kind of think set the ball rolling. I think Vince was like, oh, well, you know, if this outside organization did it, then it's time to reinstate him back into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think something like that happened. Also, to go along with this, um, New Day and Titus O'Neil had some um, things to say about this. Right, and I actually read... Um, the Observer earlier today, at least portions of it, and it seems to be that it's not just that they're bringing Hogan back, which you can kind of you can argue whether that's a good idea or not. I think in one respect, if someone you always want you want a redemption, right? If people do some sort of horrific behavior, then the idea should be like, well, you know, if they change their behavior if they find remorse for their actions then you know you should encourage them to do that and the reward for that is that they can be accepted back into like certain social graces right well i think the criticism is that when he gave when he when he gave his i'm sorry speech allegedly the 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 context of the speech was very heavily it wasn't that i can't believe i said this this is a terrible thing i apologize to everyone who I hurt with this language, it was more like, well, you know, I was caught off guard. Like, I didn't know I was being taped. Uh, so a lot of people, in particular the African-American employees of the company, but not not allegedly just them, like quite a few people apparently had the idea that, well, you know, 
you're not really it's one of those things where it's like you know somebody will say i'm sorry to you but they'll say in a way like this way where it's like well you know i'm really sorry that you're offended or i'm really sorry that you mistook that i'm sorry you feel that way yeah it's not like you're saying that what you did was actually wrong you're you're just saying that you were misinterpreted and that the other person is actually the one who's at fault for not understanding that and and let's be honest here this is hulk hogan who yeah you kind of don't believe anything he says anyway so yeah he's not someone who has a great reputation for being like legit uh probably because for many years of his life he would just float out incredibly bald-faced lies for no other reason than to just be self-serving and i think i think with him especially in this situation if, if if his apology came off that way, I think he needs to realize that he wasn't addressing necessarily a room of his peers that would be more willing to write it off. He is he was addressing a room of his like of his of people that were probably his fans at one day, and people who he more so than offended let down in a very personal way. In a very offensive way, so I think there's. That's, a- yeah, that's kind of what Meltzer was getting at in the Observer. He was saying how the person who's kind of most in his in Hogan's uh, camp is like a cheerleader for at least giving him the opportunity to to come back and and show remorse is Mark Henry. But Mark Henry is 47 years old, so he's someone who literally growing up like. He was, you know, probably he was like a Hulkamaniac back in the day. Like he was a kid when Hulkamania happened. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like Kofi Kingston or Biggie or Titus O'Neil, well, Titus O'Neil maybe not, but Biggie, like the New Day, they were they're in their like early to mid thirties. So by the time you know they're teenagers or little kids, like Hogan, his career was like done basically, and not even just like his WWF WWE career. Like he was. That was kind of like when the, the the end of the NWO too, like. So he wasn't like a thing to them, right? So they don't have that whole like, well, you know, he did an awful thing, but I have all this nostalgia because he was my childhood hero. So maybe I'll like overlook this. They're kind of like, nah. Actually, I I do, I think it's actually the opposite. I think because Henry's older, he doesn't have that childhood attachment to him, so he can see it. He can be a little more dispassionate about it. Where the new day guys might have looked up to him at one point and now they're faced with this like wow like this guy i really looked up to at one point in my life and maybe even is the reason i got into wrestling is this horrible old racist and that really fucking sucks and i can't let that go very easily yeah and in with regards to any of the african-american employees like how they feel about hogan like that's i mean it's kind of their it really is their prerogative. Like they do not have to accept any apology apology he gives. No. Because they're they're the ones who that sort of language obviously they're the ones who are affected by it. Um, not to say that other people on the roster approve of, you know, what Hogan said or you know, that they agree with it or they're just letting it slide, but they don't they don't uh, owe him in my opinion, they don't they don't owe him any sort of forgiveness or acceptance. Exactly. But beyond that, uh, allegedly what the behind the scenes issue is that it's not even it, it doesn't necessarily even get to that point where it's like, well, I don't owe him. So fuck him. It's really more like 
they the the impression that a lot of people got was that Hogan Didn't. was not sincere yeah. at all. So they're like, well, you know, you're you're just kind of working us like you work everybody else and in your entire speech you weren't saying like I'm so sorry for what I did it's terrible what I said no one should believe or say these things you were just saying well you know he actually kept talking on like well I didn't know I was being taped yeah yeah let me ask you a question how would you characterize the responses because there were responses from the New Day and Titus well what, how would you characterize those I would say professional they were in a professional way saying we don't like this but we will be good company guys yeah i mean i think their responses was like it was like you said it's very professional and it's probably like the smartest way they could respond to that and titus was kind of like after the fact and it was more of a ditto cosign mm-hmm. than anything but i want to go back to what i think the wwe did wrong here is when it originally happened, they shouldn't have taken him out of the Hall of Fame because it just created the temptation to do what they did. They should have just fired him, kept him in the Hall of Fame, because if I went through that Hall of Fame, there's people that have probably done worse. I mean, O.J. Simpson's still in the Football Hall of Fame. So. Isn't, uh, isn't Jimmy Snuka in the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, I was yes. going to say... And in all likelihood, I guess it was no, he was never officially convicted. But in oh, all he, likelihood, he did kill. Oh yeah, he an ex, her. one of his ex girlfriends. Like he in a on, what, on like a coke binge threw her off a balcony and she died. So yeah, he did. As he awful, yeah, as awful as uh, racist remarks are, like I don't know that I would quite put them on the same level as you know murdering someone. But see, this is this is the problem as I see it, and the short sightedness of it is you should have fired him left him in the Hall of Fame because then you wouldn't have had this temptation a couple years later when you kind of forget about it. Yeah. To do this and piss off people that are working for you because really what is bringing Hogan back do for them? You can use him to do promotional stuff, I guess, but Yeah, I think that's what they'll do, but it, I don't know that anyone needed it right now. Yeah, but I mean, I mean for me, like the Hogan thing is kind of done and over. Like I'm not going to get excited about anything in regards to him, other than pictures of him giving the leg drop to the Twin Towers. But I mean, you know, I don't know. It doesn't. I've, it doesn't do anything. I don't think it does anything for me or a lot of people. And there's a lot of fans that are going to be offended by it, and rightfully so. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think. I think that there's some actually good logic there. Like if they just left him in and just quietly fired him and that was the end of it, then they could have brought him back without all this, you know, fanfare slash controversy. Um, I will say this, if I can add one more point, like the one thing I, I did not like about uh, Titus O'Neill's remarks, if you read his like long, longer remarks, Mm -hmm. um, I believe he used language which I kind of don't. I don't really like it when when people make these analogies. He was saying something about how like the language that Hogan used is like violence, and like I don't. I personally don't feel that speech is quote unquote violence. Like what Hogan said, I think is you know objectively terrible. I don't think you need to oversell it by saying that that the speech itself is like violence. Like I'm gonna. 
I'm coming from a coming at it from a place of my word. People may not think carries a whole lot, but to be honest with you, I feel like that someone saying like hyperbolizing to say speech like that is violence really doesn't do anybody any favors. Um, it, it kind of harms your message unless it's someone who already agrees with you. And you're not, I don't understand how it's going to accomplish that much. No, I is. So one of my, one of my side things about the, one of my side hobbies is I really love history and I really don't like when people get into that stuff because when you get, when you really, if you really delve into history and you get into some of like the really vile, like rhetoric people have used over the years, which actually leads to violence, there is a difference between speech that is inciting violence and just like vile, you know, just something, just something that's hateful and awful and something that's, that's insidious and like actually trying to cause like to push people into doing something yeah like if you if you want to if you want to if you want to see like the difference go watch like go watch like a documentary on Gehrig or like I just said that name wrong Gehring oh uh, uh, it's it's not Goring from the Nazis like they're yeah Hermann Goring I think yeah Goring or Gehring I think it's Goring Re, like go watch a documentary and like with excerpts of, of shit he wrote if you want to see like if you want to see like vile vile stuff like there is a difference yeah well in any event we have Hogan pulled back in and we have um, the guys who we would expect possibly a, a stronger response from making a very professional response so, you know, good for them. Um, because, you know, if they were to flip out about it, knowing Vince and the way the company runs, honestly, they'd probably be just, you know, slitting their own throat professionally. So good on them for having a measured response. I don't know, man. If I was the New Day with that, with um, the Up, Up, Down, Down channel and knowing the merch I pull and what other companies might pay me, I might have I stirred more shit personally. Potentially, but you know these guys—it's—it's it's a class move on their part to handle it the way they did. I feel like it is. I—I I see your point there. I think—I think personally, I would have—I would have tried to stir the ship more because I could, but you know. Anyway, it, it, I think the ultimate point that they made is—I think the point we're making, though, it is what it is, whether you like it or hate it or don't care yeah it's oh it's a it's a awkward place to be you know yeah so anyway that was that was hogan they had flown him up to actually speak to the locker room before extreme rules now i'll tell you guys the night extreme rules happened i was flying to a conference uh, out of state, and my flight got delayed by four hours. So I didn't actually land until pretty much the main event. And I haven't really had a chance to go back and watch it. I'm going to be quiet for a fair bit 
during this. Well, but uh, I my dad had hip surgery that week, so I really didn't watch it either. And then I kind of <laughs> I read it. It had been it had been it, it. Long story short, he didn't react well to the medic the the pain meds at first, so it was a couple of rough days before he got out. And then I kind of saw the recap of it, and I listened to what Meltzer had to say about it and Brian Alvarez. And I decided that there were better things to do with my time, like hitting myself in the head with a rock. Hey, so have either of you seen any of it? I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some of it. I saw, hold on. The, I watched I saw, the entire United States Championship match. That could be in gift form. Yeah. <laughs> Let me look, because, so... I saw... I saw some of it, but I, like... Up to... Up through the, uh, the, I saw up through like the tag title match. I like brain dumped the whole thing. It, it was just so forgettable. I, I apparently watched all the matches that weren't good <laughs> uh, because I guess Reigns Lashley was where the the pay per view actually starts getting like decent. Even though I guess general consensus is that this was not like a good pay per view or even it was just there. It's not memorable at all. Okay. I think I watched well, Almas versus um, Sin Cara, and then. Oh yeah, I didn't even watch any of the the previous stuff. I watched I watched some of um, that stupid and awful Rollins Ziggler match. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm going to work us down the card and we can go with what we we know of each match. And if we don't have anything for it, we'll just skip it. We'll get to Ziggler-Rollins, uh, I promise. Because I did get to see that. Um, you said you saw Almas versus Sin Cara. Uh, how was that one? It was okay. Almas is usually good for a laugh and Sin is not bad. Okay, so decent match then? Yeah. Any standout spots or anything for you? No. It was like no. seven minutes, and I don't know. Almas okay. has been okay on the main roster, but he's kind of lost something. I don't know. That seems to happen a lot with folks coming up from NXT. Unless you're Elias, and then you have a gimmick that works better on the main roster. If we're talking about news, then we should we should throw out the news that Elias actually put out an EP and it is currently charting on iTunes. Yeah, it's like number 10, isn't it? Or is it 12? It's, it's number 12 right at the moment. And, <laughs> Which is and of course they're already like not pushing him like well. <laughs> so to be honest, that's kind of cool. The fact that Elias was able to isn't an, a full out I think it's just a single, isn't it? Yeah, it's like four. It's four songs. Oh, okay, cool. So we have it's got five stars have, on a with forty six reviews. So we have Elias, whose gimmick has really taken off on the main roster, and he's released music, and that's doing pretty well. So, you know, credit to him. Um, Maybe that means that they'll they'll get their shoulder behind him a little bit and no. push him some more. He he will hit that he will hit that treading water thing that everyone else hits, and then by the time they decide they're actually going to do something with him, the the time was six months ago. 
everything will have cooled off. Yeah. Yeah. We can, you know what? I can hope, right? That's the thing. I'm big on hope. I'd be a blue lantern if I had a lantern ring. I'm big on hope. I'm tempered by reality. See, so I put my hope in other promotions because then awesome things sometimes happen, like OG LAX versus New School LAX, which was supposedly awesome on Slammiversary. Okay. Yeah, allegedly TNA has gotten pretty good. It's just um, Impact now. Oh, Impact. Oh, sorry. they got rid of TNA. That's probably for the best. Well, it, so they, they've become this kind of like all of the good... Like, that's where the, um, it's kind of like an open door policy. So that's where like all of the indie guys like come in for a bit or, you know, do their thing. Mm-hmm. But like they had Slammiversary yesterday. I'm looking it up. So give me a minute. Well, while you're doing that, did anybody watch Sanity versus New Day in a tables match? No, I should have, though, because that sounds like it might have been good. I've only seen clips. Okay. I don't know about you guys. Killian Dane looked like an absolute monster in NXT, but there is no way that I will buy that they will push him on the main roster because Vince is going to look at him and he's going to think Bastion Booger. That's not fair, but I, you know, because Dane can work and Dane looks. As opposed to whenever we say monster and it's like just some big like broad shouldered muscly dude, Dane looks like the kind of guy that would drag you into a back alley and kill and eat you. Um I just I'm concerned they're not gonna do much with him. Okay, I got the impact card from last night. So Johnny Impact beat Phoenix, Taji Ishimori, and Petey Williams in a four way match. Tessa Blanchard defeated Alley. Eddie Edwards defeated Tommy Dreamer. Brian Cage defeated Matt Seidel. Sue Young defeated Madison Rain. Latin American Exchange, Santana and Ortiz with Conan defeated um, Hernandez and Homicide. Pentagon beat Sammy Callahan in a Masker's hair match. And Austin Aries defeated Moose. Yeah, Aries is someone that... that um... Vince totally slept on. But he was a you great. Know, this is, he was a great. I loved him on commentary for 205 though because every he would always like he would tell some long story and then he'd be like then I'd stick my thumb in his eye. <laughs> what were Aries, you going to say, Matt? Aries is a guy who I think is incredibly talented and it's it's enjoyable watching his matches and yet I've never like I just never got behind him. I just, I don't know. He, There's something about him that, like, is missing to me. Like, I've never, like, emotionally been invested in him. He's been really good lately. Like, there's something he's tapped into since leaving WWE that's really different. Because I had the same problem. Like, there's just some, there's some bit of his personality that's missing. To me, I don't know what it is, though. Fair enough. So... To uh, go back to Extreme Rules, the actual opener for the pay-per-view itself was the B-Team versus the Eaters of Worlds, uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Who's the Um, B-Team? Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Oh, yeah. Curtis Axel still has a job? Wow. Yep. 
Sure does. He's one of those guys that's probably going to hang around for like 20 years. Or I have to ask, has do does Bo Dallas set the record for longest time on the main roster ever and having done absolutely nothing? Um, I don't know if I'd say he's done nothing. But whether he did anything of consequence, I think that's that's more of a um there's more of an argument to be made there. He just he's never even back in NXT, he's never done anything for me. He uh I mean, I thought his Bo Leave gimmick was amusing. And, you know, he's running around he runs around the ring and like bows over a cameraman or something, but he never quits grinning about it. That was funny. But you know, now the B team defeated the Eaters of Worlds for the tag titles. Um, Did not which dig. Le- which led to a running gag of them running into shots and in interviews backstage, still cheering and celebrating, which I thought was pretty funny. That's really not the place I would have gone with the tag titles, but I guess it's different. To see these guys have clawed themselves up and, and say, no, 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 we should be worthy of notice. Good for them. You know, it, uh, I don't know who pitched the idea or what happened, but, you know, good for them. I'm glad to see I'm glad to see those guys getting some success, even if they did dethrone a team that included one of my boys on the roster. I like. Yeah. The- how did you how did you feel, um, Chad, watching the window? Brothers explode. <laughs> <laughs> now remember, I haven't seen it, so I can only speak to it in oh, the sorry, yeah. in the conceptual. The problem is, if if I were to watch it, perhaps my heart would be rent asunder by the sheer magnitude of what I witnessed. Hey, at least I thought. At least I actually thought Bray looked good in this match. Um, okay, he was pretty crisp. I thought. Uh, it just it's sad. It's like I don't I already like I don't know what you're gonna do with uh, with that tag team. Yeah, they they put them together what two three months ago, and now they're gonna probably set up for them to turn on each other, and then they'll just tread water for a while. What were you gonna say, um, Brad? I don't remember now. I was no. you you were saying that, and I was just thinking like, oh god, another six months of Bray Wyatt and. Woken Matt Hardy matches, and I was very sad. Yeah, it's one of those things where that you would figure the two of them having a feud would work. Like whenever they did that first like cut back and forth promo, I was entertained by that. But then, I don't know, it it kind of lost some of it. You know, it lost its gravitas somewhere. I really hate the. I like the broken, woken Matt Hardy character, but I don't like how the WWE is doing it. Like, they don't... There's a certain mythology to, like, the broken Matt Hardy character before they went to WWE. Like, you know, his gardener and the house and and all that stuff. Yeah, and they don't really... They don't really get into that in WWE, and it makes me sad. Well, apparently they're going to make toys of Vanguard One and his lawnmower. So, you know, props to him for that. The lawnmower, I, I, I did think about buying the mower of lawn shirt. I, I might have if um, his face wasn't on it. I, well, I might have if it had 
not costed quite so much. Yeah, that's what I keep running into with the Rusev Day shirt. So, that's... Yeah, it... You know, I finally... I'm sorry. The um, mighty Pips Meowsher Smith's um, cat of hardcore uh, was making some demands, and I didn't want her to wake my kid up, but... He has strong opinions on Bo Dallas. She she has strong opinions on whatever the hell she feels like having strong opinions on. Um, but the... Um, anyway... The uh, the thing I'm getting at is, you know, I think the WWE shirts are really too expensive as it is. I bought some shirts recently because it was ten dollars shirt day. You know, that that's what it took for me to get them. Um, they are okay. always having like sales. I guess that's a the positive, but the, the a lot of their unless you bulk buy them, the shipping kills you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and the, the other issue is that the designs lately have been pretty bad. Yeah, there have been some god awful designs. What, so what I don't understand with that is, who wants a shirt with like someone else's face on it? Like I want logos. I want, you know. Yeah. And and yet we get these things where it just has somebody's face plastered all across your torso, and that look. That's like. That's like. 13 year old type stuff that just weirds me out then again i'm a child of the 90s i prefer having a small logo on the front and the big logo on the back so what do i know that said i totally have a uh, elias t-shirt <laughs> i'm absolutely fine with having his face on my <laughs> what, a, what a, what's the elias oh it has his face on it it's got he's got like a couple different ones where it's it's him and it's 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 those the shirts that I'm thinking of are actually quite cool because both ones are done in the style of like old uh, tour concert. Oh, that would be shirts. cool. You mm. are able to say like walk with Elias and then on the back, it'll be like, I guess it probably, I assume what were actual live dates of uh, WWE shows, but he has a couple mm. different ones like that. That is cool. See, yeah. My, my it's pro- actually very clever. Like, um, like last year, Use an example of how awful their shirts are. I wanted a Braun Strowman shirt when he was, like, really at his peak. And um, his shirts were awful. I think he had, like, two, and I don't even remember now, but they're terrible. That's why I wanted a Rusev Day shirt, because the Rusev Day shirt is perfect. It pretty much just says Rusev Day on it, doesn't it? Happy Rusev Day. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. The logo they were trying to go with with Strowman, where it was just like a stylized version of his head, didn't make any sense to me. It's like, why? Why? Why do you want to do that? I don't understand what what the point behind it is. Yeah. It just it doesn't look good. Then I actually did get a, a Strowman shirt when I ordered the stuff, and it's it's got the logo of like the dude standing in front of the mountain type thing, and I like that. But anyway, next match on the card was Finn Balor and Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin's been doing the um, constable gimmick um, can I just, here lately. Can I just say, Baron Corbin is far superior to Kurt Angle in like a, um authority figure type role, and I'm shocked to be saying that. 
I feel Corbin's actually now starting to improve. At least, hey. Certainly from like a, a character standpoint. Yeah, he still sucks in the ring, but he's at least got a character now. Um, I like... I may be on uh, an island here, but I like his new look. Um, basically, as every bartender at a speakeasy <laughs> you've ever been to. <laughs> that look. If anyone's is... ever been to a speakeasy, yeah, they all look like that. It's like dark clothes. He's got a little vest going on. Now, but I, I, I think this look is better than um. The balding look. Yeah. That, then his biker look. His yeah. uh, his uh, I'm obviously balding, but I can't let the uh. Like, um, his look was, he, he was about five years away from the old hippie look of, I have the skullet with the ponytail. Mm. Like, <laughs> and it's all gray and you just feel sorry for me. Like he was, he was about five years away from that. Well, the, so yeah, Corbin has been consistent in his authority role and Angle has well, not. Which, God, that's so weird. But Angle's a this match, yeah, this match was supposed to be, I guess, it was big guy picking on a little guy match, and Finn Balor won. Um, I have no idea what the build to it was, but you know, it's I nice think- to see Balor get a win. Yeah, I actually thought this match was decent. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It's more like a TV match, really. But yeah, a lot of these felt like t- the couple I watched felt like TV matches. I I don't know about you guys, but honestly, I I, I kind of wish Balor was using a different finish because partially because the way that he has to do his flying stomp. Either it looks like he he literally he actually sticks you with it, or he um, you know he doesn't really kind of land on you, kind of lands off of you. So it it either looks good but looks like it hurts like hell, or it doesn't look good. Plus, I guarantee there are idiots all over the Indies trying to do it right now and half murdering people. So you mean they're pulling a Loki? So yeah, go. Mm. Yeah, I'm not going to get started on Loki. Because I'm sure if we put out a podcast where I get started on Loki, I'm going to get like an email or a Twitter DM. What do you think you have to say about Loki? I'm going to come find you. And it's like, come find me and then I'll probably shoot you. We should uh, we should, we should, should do a podcast and review the Loki versus, versus Sammy Callahan match from last year because that's actually pretty fun. And it's pretty much two guys just doing horrible acts of violence on each other. God. Anyway, sorry. Soapbox there. Um, I have, I have a love-hate relationship with Loki. You love to hate him? It's uh, a... No, it's people's usual attitude towards Loki. <laughs> if, 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 I can, if I can put aside, like, my feelings on him and just, like, watch him in a vacuum, like, he has a lot of fun matches, but then you get into the... You can't trust him. Like he's gonna blow up his spot in six months. Like then it, it's hard to enjoy him as much. Or the fact that he doesn't have like a signature run anywhere because he blows his spot up all the time. Again, we I could 
I could talk for way too long about that, so yeah. I'm just going to move this along. Um, the next match was Carmella versus Asuka with James Ellsworth suspended above the ring in a shark cage. I watched this. This isn't. This is barely even recognizable as a match. Really, it's really just like Carmella. This sucks. is just. Well, this is just like a showpiece. It's like a five-minute showpiece for um, James Ellsworth's antics, which were kind of amusing. Could Could you expound on that a little bit, please? They have him in like in a shark cage. Uh, he's like trying to help Carmella cheat. He's like he like throws down a chain at one point. Then somehow he like gets out of the cage, but he's like dangling by his foot over it. And then honestly, I I I'm actually even blanking at the moment as to how he helped Carmella win. Like that's how like unmemorable it was. But uh, yeah, in the last time we saw a, a match with a shark cage suspended above the ring. We had to listen to Enzo yammer on the entire match while Big Cass sucked there, in the ring. There's so many un there's so many um there's so many unanswered questions from that match, like why does Enzo take his pants off when he commits a breaking and entering? I think the idea was that he took his gear off and then slathered baby oil on himself so he could slip through the bars. But to be honest with you, I kind of think the agents wanted to make him look like an idiot. I think it would have been more funny if he'd pulled out like a lock picking kit from his boots because someone of Enzo's character would like know how to pick a lock and break into a place or out of a place. Or maybe make the the weird overall things he wore make him into like a Mary Poppins hammer space. And he like pulls a pair of bolt cutters out of him or something. Yes. Or did go, I mean, it's, we, we don't have the time, but going old school, like beagle boys with like a, <laughs> like a hacksaw and a cake or like dynamite and a cake or something. Wow. Oh, that's taking me back. <laughs> I like it. So, there were ways that that could have been done. And then, I don't know, this whole feud has apparently been predicated on Asuka beats up James Ellsworth while Carmella runs away. I think that's, From what I understand. Is that accurate? I think this. I think this. the point of this feud is to bury Asuka. Because that's what that's it's the, doing. Yeah, I don't think that's the point of it, but that is effectively what it's doing. If it's not, it might as well be, right? I, I I don't really understand how if you're gonna just have Carmella hold a belt for a while and and all that, why can't you just use someone else to fill this role than Oscar? Yeah, I mean, if why use Oscar for it? Because that's not gonna. It's just gonna hurt her. She had this huge build up through Mania, and okay, Charlotte won that. That whatever, right? Just that that happened when. It, we accept it and move on. But if she's going to be like the buzzsaw that rips through everybody in the division, why are you going to put her in this position? I mean, let's be honest. It's not like you couldn't come up with something. You couldn't come up with doing this to Naomi wouldn't hurt anybody, right? No. Not much. 
But why why do you need why do you need the same character with both of your women's belts? Why do you need Alexa Bliss and then Hobo Alexa Bliss with the other belt? <laughs> wow, that's uh <laughs> okay. Hot takes on the Four Corners podcast. But I mean there's she's essentially shittier Alexa Bliss. Like they their character is essentially like the same genre. I don't know. It seems like after all the work that they did to try and do innovative things with the women's division, they're defaulting to their old habits. Oh, they've they've totally, in my opinion, and a lot of people will always disagree with this. I think they tanked it a long time ago because they have all this talent and they're bringing in all this talent and they're they're wasting it. Yeah, they're doing nothing. See, the problem I've got with all of this um, stuff that, like the NXT feeder system, that's that's wonderful. But the roster's big enough as it is. So where are these people gonna go? What what are you gonna do with them whenever you bring them up there? Nothing. They're just gonna kind of say, "How long did the authors of Pain sit around and not do anything? How long did Sanity sit around after being called up and yet never debut?" I mean, it's arguable that uh, that uh, authors of Pain are actually doing anything now. Why don't they just? They, why don't they just torpedo two hundred five live because no one cares, and then turn it into um, like a women's show and keep um keep Rockstar Spud as the GM for the ladies. There's a lot of different directions you could go with it, but I don't know. It's they're not doing any of it. Cuz the thing is they don't they don't have they have there's too much bloat. So you can only really have the two women's title matches. So you lose people in the shuffle all the time. And so then you have people like Oscar taking jobs to you know, pay-per-view after pay-per-view, because if she's not wrestling for the title, she's not getting big matches. It's just whatever. Yeah. Like, what's, but then just let her go murder somebody. Like, what's what's Ruby Riot doing? Nothing. Yeah. Okay, so, next match. Speaking of nothing, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy for the U.S. title. Um... This match was six seconds long. So was was Jeff drunk or something? From what I read, he was actually hurt. Okay. Like he had hurt his arm or shoulder or something. Well, he's getting old. I don't know how long he can keep going with all the damage he's done to his body over the years. <laughs> Man, it looked like you were going to say something. Yeah. So I, I didn't know. I didn't have that uh, inside knowledge that he was actually hurt. But I will say that this you can't you can't do this sort of thing often uh because it could defeat the whole purpose of it but i actually liked the concept behind this and i'm shocked that it's not an idea that's used more often even though i've just said like you can't use it that often to just have the heel like do something incredibly nasty like do the low blow or use a foreign object or something and just brain or mess up the the face and then, then have the bell ring, and then boom, I'm pinning you in like five seconds. That I thought that yeah. there was there was actually like a logic behind it that made sense. I want them to do. Oh yeah. I want them to do that with the money in the bank, where the money in the bank winner earns a legitimate title shot, and then just absolutely 
fucks up the champion, takes the DQ, and just cashes in right after that <clears throat> and pins them. Yeah, I think I think we talked about that after the last the money in the bank. I think I remember I said that I thought that would be a perfect thing for Joe to do. Um, but yeah, why not? I don't understand how that idea hasn't been used yet. Because in WWE logic, if you like the money in the bank winner can't possibly earn a legitimate title shot. You know, they even had Braun Strowman say that. Uh, Raw last week, they asked Braun, they're like, so, you know, why didn't you enter the number one contender match? And Braun holds up the briefcase and goes, as long as I've got this, I don't need to. And it's like, why not try and double your odds? Yeah, because remember, remember, remember back in WCW, like how they would talk about the figure four and how how that move was so devastating in the era of like the two out of three falls match, because you might not take them in the first fall with that, but you could screw their leg up so much that they have to try and fight through future falls with like a screwed up leg. Yeah. Like there's that, the the WWE gets too cute with that stuff. Like, I think you need to think about things like a legitimate sport a lot of times. And to me, it's like, well, why wouldn't I want another title shot? Like that's insurance. Like this is my insurance policy if I earn a real title shot because I can do whatever I want to them, and then oh yeah, if I get caught, yeah, sure. So speaking of Braun Strowman, the next match on the card was Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman in a cage match. So. The build for this was Owens being mad about Strowman throwing him off the top of a giant ladder at Money in the Bank. Is that correct, or am I missing something? Uh, I don't have... Yeah, I can't help you. (laughs) Okay, here's the big takeaway that I've seen from this match is um, Braun Strowman tried to murder Kevin Owens by throwing him over the top of the cage. Or from the top of the cage. It, it, this was like a, what, 10-minute match, if that... I think it was 8 minutes. Uh, yeah, it basically just Braun demolishing him until uh, Owens handcuffs Braun to the cage. And then it's instead of it just him, him doing the logical thing where it's like, oh, well, I can just leave the cage now and win the match. They have him like beat on Braun, and then Braun snaps the handcuffs, which I think if for a match that anyone actually cared about would probably be a really interesting spot. But no one cared about this. And then finally Owens goes to leave the cage, and Braun crawls up there with him, which he like j- jumps and half scales the cage, uh, which was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. Like it's, it's kind of amazing how agile he is for a big guy. But he, uh, he basically throws Owens through the the table outside. It's it's basically the McFoley King of the Ring 98 spot. Ah. And it it pumped it popped the crowd, but it actually made me angry because it's like that's an incredible it's a very dangerous spot and it's a spot that you should probably bust out for something that people actually care about instead of this random match that no one was giving a shit about. Yeah. And it's just it's like it's just such a it was pointless. It was the entire match, the, the the spot, everything was pointless. Yeah, you know, they did a good job like a decade ago of scaling the stupidity back 
and like reining everyone in. And they've really let it get out of control the last couple years, and shit like this is starting to come back. And I really wish, I really wish every promotion because of Takahashi just getting his neck broken. Like, I really wish they would make these guys rein it in a bit because you can still have good like go 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 matches, and you don't need to do stuff like this or those crazy suplexes that just drop a guy on his head. Yeah, the uh, what I was gonna say, Matt, from your synopsis of Owens handcuffing Strowman and then beating on him, I would think that that particular piece, given the characterization of Kevin Owens, kind of makes sense. That he's a petty, vindictive jerk, so he would totally do that. I'm not a fan of Strowman, you know, like you said, giving him the hell in the cell Foley spot, but you know. I wasn't a fan of him taking the bump off that huge ass ladder either. Um, it just, it, why? It's it's just it seems like it's just there to have a a big spot like that, and there's no, I don't know. There's there's no real purpose behind it aside from just having a big spot. Okay, having killed conversation there, we'll move to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to add other than, yeah, I, I agree. It's just, it's... Yeah, that's my problem. Is like, I, like I said, they, they did a good job for a long time of reining it in and keeping the guy safer. And, like, it's just slowly started to erode the last couple years, and I wish they would get it back under control. Yeah. So the next match was... The Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No. Um, this was notable for Harper and Rowan beating on Daniel Bryan for a while before Kane showed up in a walking boot, apparently from a car wreck he was in. Um, Soon to be Mayor Kane, isn't it? He, I think so. He won from his what primary, I read, I think. And yeah, from and I, what I read that that primary is the actual election for that city. Yeah, I think he's in one of those jurisdictions where it's so heavily under one party control that if you win the nomination of that party, you're effectively nominated. Like you're going to win the election, oh, okay. the general election. So that's that'll be interesting. Um, I hope he. I, kinda, I hope he signs like legislation with the mask on. <laughs> You know, I actually I heard a story about this on NPR radio. I was flipping through my radio stations, and it was NPR, and it said the mayor of Knoxville, and I was like, whoa, wait, hang on a second. And then they went on to talk about it, and they said, this is not what you would expect from someone who's probably going to be the, major, the mayor of a large metropolitan city. And you hear JR go, dear God, that's got to be Kane. It's Kane through fire and brimstone. And I'm laughing so hard that other people in the parking lot are looking at me and wondering if I'm having like a mental break. I mean, that's, that's fun and everything, but can we really say that you wouldn't expect that behavior from a mayor after we were subjected to Mary and Barry quite a few times. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's true. Rob Ford's, uh, repeated indiscretions. 
Rob Ford, you know, on one hand, I know it's not fair, but Marion Barry having that happen to me, I, I'm kind of like, eh, he kind of had that coming. But Rob Ford cracked me the hell up. I can't even, I don't, I don't even know what the difference is, but to me, one's funny and the other's not. I think because Rob Ford owned it after a while. And he said funny stuff about it, I guess. And Marion Barry's kind of a sleazeball. Well, Rob Ford is too, but... <laughs> Rob Ford didn't get set up. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite part of the Marion Barry story. That's that's one of my favorite uh, Simpsons lines, is Mr. Burns calls the assassin, and he's like, it's MB. He's like, oh, Marion Barry, it's time for another shipment already? <laughs> So, in this match, we had the Bludgeon Brothers just win, I think. Um, I've, so, we had this... I have to say what them, was that? them forcing Randy Orton to hug them on SmackDown was quite humorous. Did they? Yeah, like... I, I didn't see that. I think they had, like, a six-man or something, and um, Daniel Bryan's, like, hug, and Randy Orton's, like, no... And then Kane's like behind him and he's like hug and then they like do the double team hug and Orton is very not amused the whole time and it was quite funny. I bet it would be. It was it, hey, it was a lot longer and funnier than my description of it, but you know. To yeah. Well, it, anyway, we got through that which again that aside from it being a team hell no reunion match yeah, and then we went into the deep sigh match of the evening, which was Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns. I had tapped out by this point. I don't. Okay. So. Okay, so let's let's think about this. So you're gonna have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. So why would you have Roman Reigns lose the pay per view before? Because this is I, I, this is something that upsets fans with him is the undeserved title shots. Because now you're going to give him a rematch with Bobby Lashley, so that he can get his win back and then get the title shot. Whereas if you had it reversed, you're not going to give Bobby Lashley a rematch because that's not how you work. It's just I I agree. Um, I think if this was if you're looking at it from like a like a Japanese wrestling perspective, then you would be having the guy beat Roman Reigns in the theory that if Reigns wins the title, then you have your ready-made like first challenger. But I agree with you; like they've they've been so hot and cold on Roman, uh, and this is one of the things that exactly you're right like, that people hate about him because it's like he'll lose, and then it's like oh, but he'll still get the title shot. Yeah. And we're probably going to put the title on him. And it's like, why? Yeah. Like one, I don't, I don't like people don't already don't like him, but then you're not doing him any favors by actually pulling this sort of shit. Cause it's people are just like, Oh, well you're just giving everything to him. Like we don't want him, but you're still forcing him down our throat. Even when he loses. It. The other thing is why, um, why when Brock Lesnar is in the UFC, he cuts these amazing, heelish promos off the cuff 
but he can't do that in the WWE. I think he doesn't give a damn. Is the the unfortunate part. But but like if you go back, I mean the one he did at the UFC event was pretty good, but the one he did at UFC 100 where he shit all over Budweiser and said he's a Coors guy and that he was going to yeah. go home and fuck his wife, like why do you know how big I that... laughed my ass off at that promo. What was he? I might climb on top of my wife or something. I might go home and get on top of my wife. I'm gonna go home and have a chorus light, not a bud light, because they won't pay me nothing. Like if he did that, if 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 the if the um if the writers would just let him do that, it would be um it would get over so huge. Yeah. Like, but we can't be having that. Like last year, which I still think is um, off the cuff and someone probably got fired for is when um, right before SummerSlam when he's like, he gets on the mic and the only thing he says is, you don't deserve shit, buddy. <laughs> and then he gets that big smirk on his face. Like that was, that was brilliant. Yeah, he, he knew what he was doing when he did that. But like stuff like yeah. that, like why can't we get more of that? Well, I'm honestly convinced that the older Vince get, the more of a control freak he turns into. And now we have, as opposed to, I don't know, 18 years ago, we had these guys who had creative freedom to like carve their own path and get over on their own and be rewarded for it, that we have, um, you know, everything has to be charted out for you. I'm just tired of like the the lack of movement on the top of the card. Yeah. Well, it seems like they're trying to interject Lashley into it, but now this gets even weirder because Bobby Lashley defeated Roman Reigns with the spear. So he went back to his old finish, which Roman was using and beat Roman with one spear which means one Lashley spear is more powerful than five F5s from Brock Lesnar. So what would have happened if Lashley and Reigns speared each other at the same time? Would the universe as we know it have ended? <laughs> yeah, a, a black hole would have resulted. It would have sucked both of them into it. <sighs> I and Lashley's really done nothing for me since he's come back. I, I, I Well, here's... Part of the problem is the fact that Lashley also couldn't use his spear anymore because Roman was using it. So he had to use his mid-match spot of that stalling vertical suplex as a finish. Now, that's that's only part of it. But seriously, why, why is – and I think we've talked about it before, but why? Didn't he? Yeah, we've talked about this because – I think you said in the past that he used to use the Dominator, so why don't they just let him use that? Yeah, I don't know why they don't don't let him do that again. It looks <laughs> impressive. Yeah. But apparently not. So, anyway, here we are. And now, after the last, last Raw, and I don't know what's going to happen tonight... But they had two three-man, three-way matches for the number one contender, and it had the first one had um, Reigns and Finn Balor and uh, 
I don't remember if it was Elias or Baron Corbin or someone like that. And Balor was getting ready to win, and something happens, and then Reigns speared the other guy and won. And then the next match, Lashley won. So it's like, oh, great. That means that as of tonight, the 23rd, we get to have the rematch of the match we just had on pay-per-view. So that means that WWE is developing WCW syndrome, where we had the match on pay-per-view, and then we have the exact same match the next night with a different finish. They've been doing that for a while, though. Like, look at the the Rollins-Ziggler thing. still bad. Where they, they ran that match into the ground in a matter of weeks. Yeah. That, that, that's still bad. That's... Oh. The bad thing is they'll Just, probably have Lashley win, and then they'll do it again so Reigns can win, because that's how they do things. Jesus. <sighs> yeah. So what, what do we have after that? Because they put way too many matches on these pay-per-views. Yeah, the if you, yeah. If you include the um, the pre-show matches, it's twelve. Because God forbid we had separate brand pay-per-views, right? I rem- yeah, I remember back in the day, like twelve matches would be like a long four-hour mania, yeah. not yeah. some random July pay-per-view. Yeah. So the next match on the card was everybody's other favorite. Alexa Bliss with Mickey James versus <laughs> Nia Jax with Natalia, which basically only served one purpose, and that was to have Ronda Rousey jump the rail and go at somebody. So can we just say Alexa Bliss is worse than Roman Reigns because at least Roman Reigns loses a match here and there? I was going to say Alexa Bliss is prettier to look at than Roman. I don't know. Roman's got the hair. <laughs> yeah, but he wears the vest and that covers up his chest. That is true. We don't get to see those <laughs> delicious abs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah. this is um this is not for nothing, but I know we have a mutual friend who uh posted on social media a, a picture of Alexa without all the makeup. Yeah. And I I was stunned. She looks like ten times better. Mm-hmm. She. I mean, they just they caked that they caked that shit on. I guess for the the HD or whatever, but it it really is just awful. Yeah, I well, it's it's going back to the idea of kind of the live theater stuff. Bobby Fulton told me once. Uh, in, insider secrets revealed, right? Mm-hmm. But Bobby Fulton told me that the reason that you have white tape is because white is easier to see. And so the people sitting all the way in the back at the top can see your fist going in on punches and can follow it more easily. Really? Yes. That's actually something I never even thought about or heard before. So if you think of it as if you take the TV cameras out, why is Alexa made up like that? It's so that people who are sitting all the way in the back can tell who it is. The... um, the idea is it's still like live theater, but they haven't found a way to balance. It's live theater with we shove a camera directly into your face all the time. Yeah, when so, when you do um, when you do stage productions, a lot of times they make you uh, wear lipstick so that people far away can see your mouth move. 
The interesting thing is when I have done stage productions is they didn't do that with me, but where I have a dark beard and then light skin, I provide this contrast that's easy to follow. So it's like I had white tape on my face or something. The what they're looking at is they want they want everybody to have these like you know subtle nuances in their character and stuff, but on the other hand, you have to do everything because you know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a chain and hit somebody with it, what what do you do in that case if you're a wrestler? You hold it up and wrap it around your fist. Why in the hell would you do that? So the crowd sees you do it. It's not to hide it from the ref. It's not to hide it from the other guy. And it would make sense if you like hunkered over and then wrapped it up real quick and then popped him. But we're not doing a TV show. We're doing a wrestling show that we happen to have TV cameras in. So, you know, that's 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 why Alexa's makeup is so like gaudy is the it's stage stuff. I always like the big reveal, like, of a bag of thumbtacks. Well, yeah, because think about how they do that. Is they hold the bag up, and they're like, oh, I got a bag. And people are like, what's in the bag? It's either thumbtacks or a snake. And Because, really, I mean, in wrestling, that's the only two things it could be, right? If it's, if it's and the then loose they, ice creams, it might be sprinkles. <laughs> but then you notice they don't, like, bend down and pour it out on the mat. They, like, hold the bag up in front of their face and shake it out. So everyone can see what they're doing. Yeah. But this match basically served as a purpose for Ronda Rousey to run in and, and you know, run wild on people. You know, the match went seven and a half minutes. So basically that means that, that it was an extreme rules match. So that means that Ronda running in should or should not have been an issue. Uh, she should have been apprehended by security and probably fired. Given the Gronkowski? Yes. But then she wasn't? Because stuff? Like, that that's the thing, is if they want Ronda to be the next Steve Austin, Austin never bought a ticket to sit in the front row. Austin drove a big thing down to the ring so that anybody that got in his way, he pushed them out of the way with it. No, they should have. They should have done like. I mean, I know they wanted the big pop from the crowd, but they, if they really wanted to do that, she should have jumped her like in the parking lot or something for internal or consistency just, stakes. Or just have her roll out from under the ring. You know, the ring crew comes down and do some stuff between matches. Ronda comes out wearing a hoodie, has it pulled up so no one sees who it is. Rolls under the ring. The match is going on. You give the signal. She rolls out, whips the hoodie off, and she's like, oh, it's go time now. I'm really not looking forward to Rousey and Alexa at all. And I've been yeah, I don't... I've been wrong about Ronda to this point. She does a really good job. Just it's the, it's the Alexa factor that I'm not looking forward to. I 100% agree. I actually think they've done a really good job protecting Rousey, uh, Rousey uh, thus far, and I think she's kind of done admirably um, with what she's been given to the point where people are kind of making a hay about should she be in the uh, kind of in the running for Rookie of the Year, which I don't disagree with actually, but I'm worried that they're just going to ruin it all by having her job to Alexa. 
I, 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 or he's just doing something stupid between yeah. the two of them. Having Alexa be competitive with Ronda would be a really dumb thing to do. Like, having Alexa be competitive with Nia was stupid. Well, I mean, they've ruined a lot of people with Alexa. Yeah. So. And we've talked that one to death, too. So I'm going to move us on into the next one, which was the WWE Championship match between AJ Styles and Rusev. I did watch this one. I enjoyed this one. Well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Rusev got an opportunity for a shot at the big belt and had a good match. I would have had him win, but, you know. Yeah. Someone had brought up a good point. It's like after what happened with what you actually got as the main event, um, where a yeah. heel went over anyway. Yeah. And you're going to have AJ continue to be champion by retaining. Why not just have that match go on last? I, I don't think AJ has main evented a single pay-per-view outside of Survivor Series as the wwe champion Hmm. that's really screwy Uh, did his follow-up match with nakamura none of them nope no because i remember the the first one had gender and no had uh, joe and reigns and then the second one had money in the bank i forgot that the first one had joe and reigns following the wwe title match well, you know, they're against Roman. He's the underdog. How can he be the underdog if it is, quote, his yard? I don't know. That's, that's, look, I know, I know. He's the we underdog don't know. because he wants a kiddie pool to splash about in and they won't give it to him. So there, he's the underdog. Uh, he could have gone to Dashcon then. Um, okay, so that leads us into the main. Uh, which was a 30-minute Iron Man match, Dolph Ziggler with Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins. So Rollins uh, has been on a, had been on a pretty good tear for the last seven or eight months on pay-per-view, and it came to a crashing halt with this one. Well, I was what I had actually landed and gotten to my room and everything in time to see the end on this, right? And it, whenever I started watching, I think that it was Ziggler was down two falls. I think it was one three, and McIntyre had just like jumped in and done a number on Rollins. So Ziggler picks up two falls out of that, and so they're they're pushing to the end, pushing to the end, pushing to the end, and then they. The match ends with a tie. 4-4. The match, a 30-minute Ironman match, ends with a tie. Because that's exactly what... Like, the Brett-Sean Ironman match ended with no falls because the idea was supposed to be how evenly matched they were, right? Like, they're both so good that neither one of them can actually score a fall on each other in that time period. Okay, that story makes sense for that to go into overtime. This one, there's a total of eight falls that happened in regulation. But we couldn't have an actual winner out of it. 
So that means we have to go into sudden death, which means everything that happened in the 30 minutes of quote-unquote regulation time doesn't mean anything. It was all pointless filler. I didn't like how they booked it in reverse. Like, if they were going to go the way they went, the face should be working from behind. Yeah. The coolest one I saw that kind of did this is, um, I think it was an early TNA pay-per-view with Styles and Jerry Lynn. Mm-hmm. And, like, AJ knocked him loopy, like, at the start of the match and pinned him two or three times before he recovered. And then Lynn had okay. to, like, work his way back into the match. Okay. And, um, but you don't have the heel work from behind. No, that, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, it's, it's like, why? Well, then they did the, then, um, so they restart the match and it goes like, what, 10 seconds, maybe? Something like that. I don't know. This, this was not. Why this is this is a thing they've been doing lately that I don't understand. Why do they keep doing gimmick matches with screw jobs? This is like the third one they've done since WrestleMania because they did the they did the wonky Roman Brock cage match even though Lesnar clearly touched first. Then they did the last man standing with the double ball crushing and then they did this. Yeah, there's The point of a gimmick match is that it is the blow-off. You take a gimmick match at the end of a feud that ties into what the feud's been like, and then that is your way of definitively ending the feud. That's the point. So if you've been, you know, the the point of having the the no-holds-barred between Styles and Nakamura is that Nakamura keeps kicking him in the dick. So we're going to have a match where it's legal to do whatever you can to each other, including that. That's what that's what the story build is, right? Or we'll go we'll go to to late nineties for this. Even though the match sucked, you had an inferno match between Kane and the Undertaker. So the fire plays a big role all the way through that story, and then you have an inferno match at the end. That makes sense. That that plays into the finish of it, right? Why are you taking gimmick matches? And pissing on them by having screw job finishes. They get, I, I think the problem is is um they feel like they have to get cute with these endings now. Matt, it looked like you were gonna say something. No no, I, I agree with you. Like I think that's actually a good point that you make. Like the gimmick match itself, it, that should be enough of the hook. Like you don't need to now get for whatever reason, them getting cute, whatever. You don't need to like do something to now actually kill the gimmick match. Pretty I mean, much. do you think that that's what it is? They're, they're just getting cute. They're like, Oh, this isn't enough. We need to actually tack on some sort of contrived. I think the problem is, board. is they, they've had this formula for quite a while now where a program has to go over three pay-per-views. And so then you do like the standard match and then you do, they usually do like two gimmick matches and so instead of instead of doing like two def- like a wonky finish then like two definitive finishes they do they get to the gimmick match 
and then they um they do something wonky. Like let's go back to the Gargano um Ciampa match from um the last NXT special. Like they actually booked that in reverse. Like that should have been the first match in their feud when the f- instead of what they did where like the first match had a pretty definitive ending and then the second one had like this weird like kind of screwy finish like i don't know yeah i would have thought that the the their first like no holds barred blow off match the way that was done which incidentally was amazing should have been the end of it like there was a definitive winner you know gargano like didn't just beat champa he like hurt him you know power bomb to the bare concrete kind of stuff that should have been it. Yeah, I don't know what they did there. But I, I did we talk about that on a podcast or do we kind of like tiptoe around that? We we talked about it some. We didn't delve real deep into it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It it, it I think you're right. It seems like they're trying to be all meta about what their answers are and stuff. I think the, I think the problem too is they're like there's this weird dichotomy that goes on with the WWE where they, they still have these old school mindsets of like, you have to get the marks into the building. Whereas they actually have a audience that's going to come one way or the other. And I don't think like, I think what they're missing is like, I think wrestling really benefited from that nerd boom that's happened this decade. Mm -hmm. And wrestling somehow attached itself to geek culture successfully and i don't think they quite realize that i don't think there's a somehow to it i think it's pretty definitive if you look at wrestling what do you see you see lots of athletic built big strong people wearing bright colors doing really cool stuff they are live action superheroes AJ Styles doing a springboard phenomenal forearm to the outside on Roman Reigns a couple years ago is a still that I have to show people. You tell me anything that's closer to a real-life superhero thing than this right here. Yeah, I just think they're a little behind the curve on that. Because even So I've been a fan since 97, and even in that time frame, um, the typical person I would talk wrestling with has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to talk wrestling with someone at work, you'd usually talk to, like, some old guy, probably a little, tr- you know, a little lower income, if you wanted to talk wrestling with someone. I could see how that, yeah. And then, I can see. now, like, that guy wouldn't watch wrestling. That guy probably watches UFC. And yeah, if you're going to talk wrestling with someone, you're going to pick out probably the most stereotypical nerd in the room and you probably have a 50-50 shot. I think that's fair. And it, I just think they they haven't caught on that they have a captive audience that's going to... They really don't need to do these things with. So I don't know. If... Matt, do you have any thoughts you'd like to add in? No. <laughs> I mean, we've pretty well ridden this pony into the ground. Adam. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating with them though because I feel like is. I feel like we do these state of right nows and we come on and we bitch about the same things over and over again. And I try like every time we say we're going to do this, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to harp on the same shit I always harp on. 
And then we start talking about it, and it always, like, and I think we, I think we've done a good job. We, we've avoided the Roman, the Roman thing pretty well, but like you just, you end up in like the same quagmire with WWE. We yeah. just kind of are left spinning our wheels a lot because the same stuff keeps happening. And the thing is, I'd love to come on here and talk about like the G1 or, or something like that, but I just I haven't had the time to watch it. And like there's so much content, even though by all accounts it sounds like it's been awesome this year. Yeah. Like the WWE is just like the one that we have easy access to and we all have access to and it's just there. But, yeah, I think that's fair. But like like the TV, I, I don't even like look up a lot of the TV on YouTube anymore because it's so tedious. Yeah. Like they just it's... it always feels like you're watching something and they're just killing time to like something that never happens. There's so much well. Like we we've, we've ridden this pony into the ground pretty well. So is there any other right now stuff we'd like to talk about? Um I don't know if it's aired yet, but um Jay Lethal won the Ring of Honor world title. Um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a I, I wasn't. I actually feel like I had heard about that show, um, prior to it happening because it actually was uh, it it was based in Fairfax, Virginia, which is just outside of DC. I think they tape there a lot, but I don't know. They they kind of move around. They did uh, well. They did back in the day, but I don't think they've done it that often. They did Baltimore um, for a long time, I think. They still do, uh, but yeah, I could have actually gone to that show, and I just it completely slipped my memory. Like I, I don't know. I feel the pictures were a bad it, look though because they shot from like the the non camera side, so it looks like there's ten fans in the the stands. This is probably a somewhat controversial opinion to some people, but I actually feel like for, for Ring of Honor, if it's not effectively, it's not Bullet Club related. I don't really. I'm not really excited about it anymore. No, that's mm. that's pretty much that's pretty much what everyone thinks. Um, this is pretty much this is pretty much a stopgap to give it back to Cody, I think. And then to go along with Ring of Honor, there is going to be the co-branded, I guess, New Japan Ring of Honor show from MSG. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know my feelings on that because people seem really excited about that, but all I can think about is. Even if they sell out Madison Square Garden, I think they're going to lose a lot of money because of like the fees and stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll they're just anticipating that it it would potentially make enough money to either offset those costs, or they could make that up on DVD, or they would just be willing to to write off the loss in the hopes that it actually just leads to more shows in the future because really the way I, I take this like there it's it is co-branded but the only way to me that that actually sells out meaning it's it's selling out like 15,000 seats it, they're effectively going to have to basically make it like a big time New Japan show I, like a dome show I say, like I would say it has to be Bullet Club top billing it has to absolutely heavily be Bullet Club but it, they they've already announced I think all the ma- at least three of the major uh, New Japan workers. I think Okada, Naito, and is it Tanahashi too? Probably. He comes over a lot. 
Yeah, so it, it it's those three, but uh, the way people are saying it's like if they're really selling out, you're gonna have to make this basically be like a major New Japan show w- featuring you know additional Ring of Honor people, Bullet Club as well. Uh, the I allegedly what I've heard is that the the way that that's complicated is that literally like a week before is one of New Japan's like biggest shows of the year, so no one knows if they're going to be willing to have like more additional big matches just a week later. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think they're kind of trying to, to cash in on, obviously they're trying to cash in on like the success of all in selling out 10,000 seats. But again, like, I don't think they, I I agree with you on that, but it feels like they are missing the point of why all in was successful. Exactly. It's, it's, successful because it's it's bullet club slash some new japan guys not yeah. that people are beating down the door for um it, for ring of honor and it's not even really i think all in isn't technically even like a ring of honor show even though obviously there's yeah. gonna be a lot of talent i think i think the idea is to kind of make it almost like a multi-promotion or just the pure indie show but there's like a counter culture like thing going on with all in that i don't think roh can tap into either yeah i mean i want them to succeed because that would be awesome and it would definitely inspire new japan to to hold more shows as they're kind of putting feelers out into the american market but and i'm gonna if it's if if it does it's happening i guess so i guess i'm gonna i would try to go to that show just because i think that would be that they would be the closest i would actually go to like a new japan show unless i actually get myself to japan somehow they they had a couple of the guys come here, but I've seen I had seen Takahashi previously, and I wasn't gonna pay sixty dollars to see Yoshihashi wrestle. <laughs> so we're gonna keep our eye on the all in stuff. We're gonna keep our eye on whatever in the hell. Um, they're streaming all in, so we'll probably doing. we'll probably do like a we'll probably do like a blow by blow recap of that. And um, that's kind of what we're looking at. So the uh, <clears throat> that's that's kind of what's going on right now. Unless there's something else we want to hit on. One last thing. Breaking mm-hmm. news! Breaking news um, from our pal Justin. I guess the rumor, well, I guess it's not a rumor. This is actually a fact, but Matt Riddle uh, is now off the PWG Battle of Los Angeles card. So that has immediately spawned immense uh, speculation that he's possibly WWE bound. Mm. And believe it, you see it though. No, it, yeah. okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now. Matt Riddle isn't gonna go to WWE because he likes his weed too much. <laughs> He might go, but he may not stay. That's uh, that's what allegedly has been keeping him out. Out of New Japan, but who too. knows? Maybe. Yeah. Well, the Japanese are very weird about that, but who knows? Maybe maybe the WWE is changing its uh, attitude. I think they I think they just don't test for it anymore. But I think it's frowned upon. But I don't know. Okay. Well, there you go, guys. We've had us a state of right now. We would love to hear from you. Um, I think we were talking about maybe getting a Twitter account set up soon uh, and maybe some other social media platforms and stuff. But 
We just want to say we'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you for joining us. This is Shad. I've been here with Brad and Matt. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. Thanks for joining us.